You're listening to The Bookstorian Podcast, a podcast for book lovers and bookstagrammers. Hello and welcome to The Bookstorian Podcast. My name is Tegan and I am your host. On this episode of the podcast, I chat with Kate from at Kate Reads underscore. We discuss the latest books we've received in the mail, how she engages her followers using stories and get to the bottom of what an R-A-O-K train actually is before discussing the oh-so-cool Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid. And just a warning, there will definitely be some spoilers on this episode. Hello, Kate, and welcome to the Bookstoring Podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. I'm quite looking forward to talking to you today as you are one of the bookstagrammers that I have connected with, especially since starting the podcast. Um, and I know that you you enjoy listening to the podcast. So it's exciting to have you on as a guest. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I absolutely love it. It's the favorite, my favorite part of a Monday. It is, a, it is a good way to start a Monday. When I first released the podcast, I was tossing up what day do you make it? But I, yeah, I ended up going for Mondays in the hope that it might brighten a few people's day, um, be a good way to start the week. Yeah, absolutely it is. We have an icebreaker question to start every show. And the icebreaker question I'm going to ask you is what was the last book you received in the mail? Um, the last book I received in the mail is called All's Fair in Love and Chocolate. It's by Amy Andrews. So Amy actually reached out to me um, when she found out I was looking for some Christmas books to read because there's so many out there and I just couldn't decide what to read. So I put a little question box on my Instagram and Amy messaged me and she's like, actually, I've written one. Do you want me to send it to you? Which is like the nicest thing anyone's ever done for me. I think I nearly cried. Um, so yeah, that arrived and she sent a Christmas card and some earrings, like it's just the best. So I'm actually going to start that, I think either tomorrow or the next day. So I'm super excited. It's nice when you also receive a book and you intend to read it quickly, uh, within the time of, of getting it. The last book I received, I haven't read yet and I'm probably not going to for a while now. Uh, so my last one was Wolf Hall by Hilary Mantel and I really like, historical fiction and particularly anything set in Tudor England and when I kind of stumbled upon it and found out it had also won the Man Booker Prize and it had just gone under my radar um, I added it to my cart while I was online shopping but I've since then decided I want to reread Philippa Gregory's books and in order so Ooh. yeah so in the past I have read them but she didn't release them in a chronological order so it sort of starts with the Tudor series um, well, I started by reading the Tudor series, but then the, the sort of generation before, which is the War of the Roses, was also released afterwards. So I really want to reread them all in a chronological order. So I don't I know that. when I'll actually touch Wolf Hall now. <laughs> <laughs> and your bookstagram handle is at Kate Reads underscore. Can you describe your bookstagram feed for the listeners? Yeah, for sure. So on my feed, I post a photo of uh, pretty much it's only reviews is what I post. I don't really do book stack challenges and any other post purely because I don't have time, if we're being honest. Um, so I post one photo, which is the book um, that I've just read and my review. And then the next photo is my favorite quote from the book. And it's either a question about the book that we can chat about or you know, just talking about the book as well. So people can kind of engage there. So it kind of goes in that order. So book review, quote, book review, quote, and then it looks, oh, I think it looks quite nice when you put it all together. 
Yes, it's definitely very aesthetically pleasing in the way that the tiles are all placed. Um, a question for you would definitely be, is how do you pick just one quote from a book that you've read? Oh my gosh, I can't even tell you how hard it is. I can't, it is, I regret doing this theme so often because I read books that are so brilliant, like Daisy Jones that we're going to talk about soon. And it is just, it's so hard. It's so hard. So when, while I'm reading a book, I, if I read something that I love, I write it down in my notes. And then when I get to the end of the book, I basically have like sometimes, sometimes one, sometimes eight quotes that I need to pick by. And then, yeah, just kind of pick which one sounds the coolest, if I'm being honest. <laughs> no, that's, that's really good that you've observed that um, you, you definitely try and pick the one that you think sounds the coolest or perhaps the most memorable. Um, but it's an interesting process, I think, of reading a book and yeah, trying to narrow down to one quote. And I know sometimes when I have the podcast and I'm talking to people about a memorable quote, people have a really diverse opinion. So sometimes people just let the book sink in and read over them and they don't actually come away with, with quotes. Or we have other people um, like yourself and myself where I highlight them or I write them down as I go, mainly just because it's a nice thing to come back to, I think. And especially when you're reviewing a book, because as you said, you like to write reviews. It's a good idea to think of a, a quote from the book that can help sum it up sometimes. Yeah. Well, sometimes I get to the end of a book and I'm like, oh my gosh, I just loved it so much. And I sped through it that I forgot to write any quotes. And then I'm like frantically flicking through the book, trying to find something. So sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I find sometimes Goodreads to also be a good reference. A lot of the time people save quotes on Goodreads too. So it can be um, a little bit easier to hunt back and to find. Why did you decide to start a Bookstagram account? I was thinking about this yesterday, actually, because I think it's been a few or probably like four months now that I've had it. And I think that I'm just so, it sounds lame, but like so obsessed with just discussing books, but None of my girlfriends read, or they do, but not really. My boyfriend couldn't care less. Um, my mum is a massive reader, so we chat a lot. But I was kind of really lacking like that. Like I was, I've never been in a book club, so it's kind of lacking that community to talk about books. Like my girlfriends from work are like, Caitlin, please, please shut up. Like <laughs> we don't care. So I don't know how I came across an account or two um, on my personal account. I have no idea how it came up. And so I was like following them for ages. And then I thought, hang on, like I've actually read a lot of books. Like for me, I've read a lot this year. I have nowhere to talk about them. Maybe I'll make my own. And we were smack bang in the middle of a Melbourne lockdown, which it was awful. And I had nothing else to do except work and come home and read. So yeah, I jumped on. It's been the best thing I've ever done. I absolutely love it. And how do you actually engage with your followers through Bookstagram? Yeah, I use stories a lot. Um, I definitely look at and watch and post stories over actual posts, like tile posts, um, and watch everyone else's. So I think I do a lot of it, whether it's like polls or question boxes or kind of interact that way. But I think the best way for me personally to engage with others is reply to their Instagram stories. So I am like, I reply to people's stories as if we're been best friends for 10 years. <laughs> I'm like chatting and sending emojis. And I just, I feel like that's the easiest way to be like, oh, hey, I love this book. Or I love this. I love that. You look great. Your shelf looks great. So I feel like that's the best way that I can jump on and talk to different people. Um, and then, yeah, people do the same to me, which I absolutely love. I love when I get DMs 
and we have just a good chat with people that you've never met, but now they're your friends. It's, it's really good. And as you were saying, you started a bookstagram account because you want that discussion with people about books and uh, using um, bookstagram, whether it's using the actual stories or using the post boxes themselves are, are good ways of starting conversations uh, with people. One of the things that I've seen that you have done quite a lot is sharing your book hauls or sharing um, books that have been given to you as gifts through R-A-O-K trains. And I know that quite a few people don't quite understand what this is all about or how it works. Can you explain it for people? Yeah, for sure. So I, when I first um, jumped on Bookstagram, I had no idea either. I kept seeing this R-A-O-K abbreviation everywhere and I was like, what is going on? So I actually messaged someone and people have done the same to me. So basically someone puts up a post um, that's called an R-A-O-K train um, and you comment on it to say you're in or sometimes they ask you to post your favourite book or post your favourite emoji and then you gift the person above you in the comment section um, and you can send them a book and then it kind of just keeps going and whoever comments under you sends you a book. Um, some people do it where you pick, like you can pick a person in the comments, but I only jump on the ones of the trains because I feel like it's fair and everyone's on, on board for lack of a better term. <laughs> um, so yeah, I really, I love gifting like in my, not just bookstagram, like my personal life. I feel like that's one of my love languages is just gifting. I absolutely love it. So that's probably one of my favorite parts of the community is just sending gifts, not so much receiving them. Like it's absolutely brilliant. It's so, so kind and so, so lovely, but sending books to people is just, it's my jam. I love it. <laughs> And I think it's been a really nice year for people to do this as well, to share that community. Um, even though there are people, a lot of people in isolation and not seeing their loved ones or not being able to go and visit their libraries or their local bookstores, it's been a good way to sort of spread and share the love and, and keep the love of reading alive as well. Uh, one book in particular that I loved reading last year um, in 2020 was Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid. So some fun facts about Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid is after writing uh, one of her other novels, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, um, which is something that I still have on my TBR, um, the, the author herself actually thought she was done with telling the stories of famous women uh, until one day where she actually thought about uh, Fleetwood Mac and in particular about Stevie Nicks and Lindsay Buckingham. So although Daisy Jones and the Six is based on a, a fictional band, the author herself recognises that Fleetwood Mac was an inspiration for her. Um, and in particular, as she talks about watching uh, Stevie Nicks singing Landslide and looking over at uh, Lindsay Buckingham and, and thinking that that looked that she gave him was quite intimate, but also cryptic. And as a lot of creative people start to do, we sometimes read in to different situations or different ex facial expressions that people give. And uh, then she wrote a novel about it. Um, and something that I find really exciting about this book is that it has also been picked up for a 13 episode adaption uh, to be produced by Reese Witherspoon um, and potentially land on Amazon sometime soon in the near future with original music as well, I might add. If anyone is listening uh, who hasn't read the book before or just needs a quick little recap, um, here's what the book is about. Daisy Jones and the Six is an oral history recounting the glory years of musicians Daisy Jones and Billy June's band, The Six. 
Told in the style of a transcript, the story focuses the spotlight on what it takes to create a memorable rock album, along with the rise and falls that come with working so creatively with others. Interviewing a variety of characters, the novel stitches together the threads of multiple peoples and perspectives into one coherent narrative, with fame, fortune and family at the forefront. It explores the themes of addiction, conflict and ultimately love and will leave the reader wishing to hear each of the songs created in such a short space of time. I think one of the most recognisable or unique aspects of this book in particular, Kate, is that it is written as a transcript or an oral history. How did you go reading a book that had this style attached to it? Yeah, I've actually never read a book in this style before. And I was a bit apprehensive when I picked it up. I was like, what if, like, there's quite a few characters. And I was like, what if I get confused with them all? What if I forget who's who? What if I forget who links to who? So when I started, I was a bit nervous. But, like, literally the first page, I'm like, I'm good. I'm in. This is easily my top three, in my top three reads for the year. I loved it I cannot even say how much I loved it and the writing style was I think one of the things that made me love it the most it just felt it felt personal it felt like you were there like they were talking to you and I yeah it's yeah like I said I've never read a book like it and I loved it loved the writing style I agree that I was really uh, daunted at first when it arrived in the mail and I flicked through it and I was like oh really like there's so much about this book is this really how it's written um and as soon as i started reading it like you said within a few pages you kind of forget and the scenes pictured in your mind and it's as if you can see these characters kind of sitting there facing a camera like hunched over talking about um their days within this band or their association with the band as well. And I think because this style of documentary is really popular on some of our streaming services as well at the moment. So it was really easy to picture. Even as a drama teacher or someone who reads a lot of play scripts, I looked at the book and went, oh, really? But it, it, was, it was really well done. And even though we had so many different uh, perspectives and different people and, and some chunked sort of timeframes, you still understood what was going on in the story. But I really wanted to hear the music. Oh, I know. how is it not real? I like every single review I've read on Bookstagram is people being like, I Googled the book. I Googled Daisy Jones. Like it has to be real. Like how could it not be real? So I think that's just such a testament as well to Taylor Jenkins read just to be like, your writing style is that good that people think it's a nonfiction. Yeah. When you type into Google, um, Daisy Jones, one of the uh, like top searches is, is Daisy Jones based on a true story? Yeah, I think that would have been my Google search as well, halfway through the book. I was like, this has to be real. It can't be made up. Yeah. And I think it's because a lot of the people seem real and the different perspectives that we see throughout the story. Do you enjoy a a book that has changing perspectives or do you sometimes think there's a voice missing um, or there's someone you always want to hear more from? Funny you say that because a book that changes perspectives either like each chapter or something is my absolute favorite way to read a book. It's the book I'm reading now, One Day in December, that goes, um, flicks between two, like chapter by chapter. And I've read so many like that. I absolutely love it because it gets, you see the same situation from different perspectives. And that's, it sounds corny, but that's so much of what life is about, like seeing things from other people's perspectives. And sometimes in a book, you don't get that, like a 
a book that doesn't do this. You don't really get that. You see it just from the main character's point of view, but seeing even just like when two characters have a, like especially in Daisy Jones, when two characters have the same conversation and they interpret it different and they think different things about the same conversation. So seeing those different perspectives is, it's my favourite way to read a book. So this, I'm like, was all over this book because I'm like, this is my favourite way to read a book. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I'd have to say that changing perspectives is one of my big box items that I look for um, in a book. And I know that I'm genuinely, I generally um, like a book when it has a has lots of different perspectives. I think it's really summed up very beautifully in the little byline that's on the book when it says everyone was there, everyone remembers it differently. And that is exactly how this story plays out is that a, a conversation will happen or a moment happens and we hear one character might think really bitterly about it and another character might not think too much of it. Um, and it definitely plays in into part in, one, in our own lives and makes you sometimes think and reflect why why certain people might react to certain things differently or walk away from a conversation and have a completely different perspective on how it actually went. So we both recognize there's a lot of different perspectives in the story and we hear from a lot of different characters, but do you have a favorite character? Is it super lame to say Daisy Jones? (laughs) I think she's just the coolest, most confident, powerful, just amazing woman and I'm well aware she's not real but in my mind she is so she's just like the one-liner she has how yeah just how confident she is and how cool she is she was just I want to be her I just want to be her that was one of the author's main aims as well as to have these really strong female characters at the forefront funnily enough my best friend uh, read this book and she despised it. And when I said to her, why did you not like it? Like, and she said, Daisy, I found Daisy so annoying. (laughs) She did also say to mention it on the podcast. So we'll put her name in um, Hannah. So we do know that you don't like it. (laughs) A little bit offended, but it's all right. Yeah. And I think, I don't agree wholeheartedly with what she said, but because I read the book in 24 hours, I found I got really annoyed at Daisy and really annoyed at Billy and really over the love story. And it might've just been because I read it so quickly and I was, was immersed in it um, in a very short space of time. But I would definitely say my favorite character was Camilla. She was just so constant in the story and it felt like she was there for every single character or every single band member. Um, at a different time throughout the story. And she's ultimately the reason why Billy got clean and was able to write the music with Daisy, which also gave them success. And she just pulls out all the stops to protect her family right until the very end. And I think the fact that the whole story itself, in the end, we find out that it's written from Camilla and Billy's daughter, or she's the one collating everything. So that also just speaks volumes about Camilla as a mother as well. That's so true. That's so. I think, I think there's different ways to look at it. I feel like Daisy is a very, um, uh, for lack of a better word, almost a bit selfish and a bit, yeah, just a bit selfish in the way she goes about things and it's all about her. But I feel like I can be like that sometimes. So maybe that's why I kind of resonated with her. But yeah, Camilla is just, yeah, she's brilliant. Everyone's brilliant. Like I just, I cannot stop talking about this book, I tell everyone, it's just every character, because we hear personally from all of them, you just fall in love with each of them. It's so hard to pick a favourite. 
And there's different times throughout the book where you feel sorry for particular characters or want things to go really well for a certain character, or you have a few eye roll moments and you're like, oh, really? That's what they really thought about that and what, what just happened itself. So I did say just before that um, Bill, I found I got a little bit sick of Billy and, and uh, Daisy's story. So this was a four-star read for me, and I'd probably say that was one of the influences. Um, but as someone who really loved Daisy Jones as a character, what did you think about her relationship with Billy? Oh, tragic <laughs> and frustrating and complicated and, yeah, very, very frustrating. But I don't know. It's something about that rock and roll lifestyle and that, you know, it was, was it the 60s? No, 70s. 70s and it's just that's what it was like well I assume I mean I wasn't born but from what I hear <laughs> that's what it was like and I know I just feel like for a woman in the 70s like it's it wasn't a fun time most of the time like it could be super challenging especially if you're trying to make it in a male dominated industry which was the music industry in the 70s so I just think that she I don't know she stood her own and she did that with Billy as well and I think that's what I loved yeah, she, she had to be selfish and she had to be um, self-promoting to get where she was. To feel a sense of fame and success as well is what, that's exactly uh, what she had to do. So do you then think that Billy was better suited to Daisy or Billy was better suited to Camilla? Oh, 100% he was better suited to Camilla. 100%. She brought out the good in him, like you said. She helped him get clean. He's a good dad. Like, him and Daisy, they're tragic is <laughs> the only word I can think of. They're not good for each other. They bring out the worst in each other. They fight all the time. They do drugs. They drink. Like, they're not a good couple. But uh, it's something about them. I don't know. But if you had to say which was the best for him, it's definitely Camilla, hands down. And I think Daisy potentially represented all of the bad things in Billy's life or all the temptation uh, in Billy's life. So whether it be that addiction to drugs, uh, whether it be that, that um, sense of like lustfulness for someone else, it, it, that's what she sort of represented for him so that you could easily see why he sort of um, fell, it fell into that um, temptation. That I suppose cool, we can say. like rock star lifestyle. Like, yeah. of course, that looks great. But at the end of the day, family and love, I think it comes first. And I think that that definitely alludes to the ending. Did you like the ending of the story? Yes and no. Yeah, yes, in the sense that I cried like a baby for, <laughs> for the night. I finished it at, like, midnight because I couldn't put it down. My boyfriend was like, oh, my God, like, are you okay? What's going on? I'm like, I'm fine. <laughs> it's just a book. Yeah, I think the twist at the end with um, it being Billy and Camilla's daughter doing the interview, that I didn't even think. Like, it absolutely knocked me for six. I did not see that coming, which I think the end, like, I just loved it in that sense. But I cried a lot. I, I was the same. I didn't pick it at all that it was the daughter writing it. And I think if you were to reread the story with that in mind, I think it would have a whole new dimension to it as well. Yeah, definitely. I just can't believe that, um, like, Billy would, like, the stories, like, yeah, when you think about it, if you had read it from the start knowing that it's his daughter interviewing him, like, some of the stuff he said, I would not be telling my daughter that. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's true. Actually, you probably have moments when you're reading that that you go, "Oh, is was that?" Yeah, but then again, yeah, like I, cheating on your mum. Like I'm literally telling you a story about how I've cheated on your mum. Bit weird. Yeah, yeah. They must have. It must have just been a type of relationship they had, or. I can't remember. It's been a little while since I've read it, so I can cut this bit out if this isn't right. But Camilla dies, doesn't she? Yeah, at the end. So she, well, her, after her interviews all happen, is that right? Because we still we hear from her, don't we? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the whole book, you hear from her, and then I think, oh, is it bad that it's been? I can't remember it either. I feel like, does she get cancer? Yeah, I think she has. Uh, she has some kind of illness. Yeah, That's and then she passed away. Just having a little flick through the book. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> yeah, she definitely. I can't remember when, but it's obviously yeah. obviously after after the interviews. Yeah, oh, we, we don't we don't find out that it's uh, their daughter doing the interviews. Yeah, so right at the back it says, right. "My mother Camilla died before the completion of this book." Ah, I spoke with a number of times during the course of my research, but I could not hear her point of view of the events that took place in Chicago. She died on December first. Yeah. Ah, there we go. From a heart failure. Complication of lupus, not cancer, sorry. But there yeah, she, I think that was the big, I think that's what made me cry because at the end, Camilla, doesn't she go, she goes to Daisy and she's like, go take care of Billy, like go look after him because she knew that she was on her way out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh no, he's, oh, she says to Billy, go find Daisy. Either way, one of them. Yeah. Yeah, so that that feeds into that ending as well, um, and I think the idea that the the daughter was was actually interviewing everybody gave it just that little bit more purpose and meaning as well. It didn't yeah. just feel like it was it was created for a bit of drama or a daytime special or you know a, a magazine or something. Yeah, yeah, that it was actually had a bit of heart uh, and meaning behind it. Uh, which I quite enjoyed. And I really hope that the television series has that same vibe, that it is able to actually bring across that heart um, and meaning to us and to the viewers. Uh, How are you feeling about it? And what sort of shape do you hope the television series takes? Yeah, I'm a little bit nervous, to be honest. Although in saying that, it's Reese Witherspoon. I think it's, is it Reese Witherspoon's company that's producing it? So like, Anything that she touches turns to gold, really. So where I'm hoping that it's good, I'm hoping that it sticks to the book as is, like it doesn't change anything. And I've seen photos of who they've cast, or I think, I'm not sure if it's correct, but who I think they've cast, which it looks really good. I'm, I'm a little bit nervous. Sometimes I don't. So I read um, Big Little Lies and then I tried to watch the TV show straight away. Like I put the book down and literally turned on the TV to watch it and I could only watch an episode and I ended up not watching the rest of the series because I was like, I've read the book, don't really need to watch it again. So I'm hoping that that's not the case with this and that I love it and it does the book justice and actually makes it better. Yes, I, I, like, I agree. I'm like, I'm really looking forward to seeing it. And I think there's just so many different ways that it could potentially go. In my mind, what I would love to see is I would love to see that documentary style where, where you see each of the characters sort of stepping in a little bit older, you know, sitting down in a, a, a television series or, a, a, sorry, a television studio or in their, their homes or even in a recording studio or something and we're getting them talking to camera and then pieced in between, we're getting little flashbacks of what actually did happen um, at the time. 
But I actually I do... love that. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. That would be so cool. Yeah, I didn't even, that didn't even cross my mind as an option. So that would be really cool if they did that. Yeah. And I think they could also then cleverly kind of in the very last series add in the the fact that we, like everyone sort of wraps up the interviews and then you have uh, then you have uh, Camilla and Billy's daughter. I feel terrible. I keep forgetting what her name is. Um, she kind of is like, oh, well, thank you. And that's when it all clicks for everybody that it is the daughter uh, who's involved in, in the making of it. I'm also just really keen to see 1970s costumes, 1970s cars and fads and trends and all of those kind of beautiful colours um, and music. I'm really looking forward to hearing the music. So they're meant to be making like, an original score and recording original soundtrack for the show as well. So I think we'll finally be able to listen to Daisy Jones and the Six. Yeah, I was going to say, did you read the, well, obviously you did, but did you read the songs at the back? Like they wrote out all the songs at the back of the book. Reading that, I was like, how am I hearing this band? Like how is this written so well throughout the book that you can read lyrics at the back of a book and actually hear the music? So I'm so excited to actually hear that played out. It's going to be really cool, I think. Again, is what makes it incredibly unique that, uh, the author is not just referring to these songs, but she actually went through the process and, and wrote the lyrics down herself as well. Um, and, and imagining that she was Daisy Jones and Billy June, I thought that was, that was really cool to, to have that kind of added like appendix with each of the yeah, lyrics. Definitely. I hadn't read of anything um, from Taylor Jenkins read before I read this one. And yeah, she's definitely one of my favorite authors. Now I recently read um, the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo um, which is also by her. I think I liked this one more, but it's really hard to pick them apart because they're both brilliant. I think you'd really like it. Thank you. I'm, yeah, I'm hoping so. It's definitely um, on my TBR. But I think they're probably in different leagues a little bit, aren't they? Because they're written slightly differently. Still very like yeah. strong female lead, uh, which is, again, another thing that I look for in the book as well. So with um, The Seven Husbands, it's actually really similar to this one in the sense of an interview. So oh, okay. Yeah. You, yeah. I think if you liked this, you'd definitely like that. Okay. Excellent. It's sitting there ready to go. It's in my pile. I think we covered a lot of like big talking points about the story as well. And I'm glad you brought up the song lyrics too, because that's, that's something that's very special about this read as well. Uh, so I thank you very good. much, Kate, for joining me on the Bookstory podcast today. Thank you for having me. So exciting. You have been listening to the Bookstory podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and follow me on Instagram at the Bookstorian Podcast.